I hate small talk. I want to talk about atoms, death, aliens, sex, magic, intellect, the meaning of life, faraway galaxies, music that makes you feel, memories, the lies you've told, your flaws, what keeps you up at night, your fears and your loves. I like people with depth who speak with emotion from a twisted mind. I don't want to know what's up. That was Jimmy Hunt. This is Duggett, the podcast. The second season, I'm glowing. You are the sunlight in my growing. Welcome to episode 16 of Dug It With. Jimmy Hunt, the man behind Live More Awesome. Uh, I was pretty uh, chuffed to have Jimmy come along. Um... But just a little heads up or a kind of update for the podcast. I um, had a recording with Miguel a few months back on handstands and went to put it up on iTunes and realized the podcast was no longer on iTunes. I changed the URL and accidentally that had uh, taken the podcast down. So I had to resubmit. And because I already had so many episodes, it took a while to get that back. So um, so for those who have been wondering where the podcast has been at, sorry about that. <laughs> it's uh, meant to be though. So onwards and upwards from now, back on iTunes, back cranking. Got a whole lot of podcasts to upload. So we've got some, uh, the new CarverCast coming out, which uh, is, if you listen to that little intro with Jimmy about the small talk, the Carvercast is the very opposite of that. It's the the nitty gritty. We go into we sit round it in the evenings at the Om House, organic mechanic house here, which is the flat, and uh, have Carver and talk about everything, uh, everything that crosses our mind, and uh, a little bit of sed- sed- a little bit sedated with the Carver, but it's a good uh, kind of tribal uh, process. And um, look forward to putting a few of those out shortly for you. But today we got Jimmy Hunt, and uh, Jimmy's just got a new book. For those who don't know him, he's uh, the guy behind Live More Awesome. He built the world's biggest water slide. He lilo'd the Waikato River. He's done a TED talk. I'll put all this in the show notes. He's done many amazing things. He's a guy that's out there doing it, which is what the podcast is all about. So very cool and. Um, and he's just released this book, which I'm holding my hand right now, Guide to Live More Awesome, Volume 1, which alludes to Volume 2, obviously, but um, it was a bit of a... I asked him about the Volume 1 thing, and uh, I think he said it was, um, you know, someday he's going to write another book, so we just kind of left that open. But uh, on the back it says, Why should you read this guide? This book will not make you lose, make you more money, get you a new job, find you a lover, or help you lose weight. However, it will help you understand and improve yourself and your place in the world dash universe. This may in turn make you more money, get you a new child, find you a new lover and help you lose weight. It's all connected people. Mental health is a term we don't like talking about, but it's also something we all have. Jimmy lays out its importance and tells amusing and heartfelt stories about his own life and the work he's done to get himself mentally well and super 
awesome. He is an awesome guy. Yes, this is a guide about mental health, but it's actually about life and our place in it. If we had skills to help us better navigate it, then we'd all be better off. Read this guide, learn some new skills, new perspectives, and how to live a more awesome life. Um, it's very cool, like Jimmy's a bit of a design wizard too, so the book is slick as Rick Rubin. It's uh, yeah, it's a pretty piece of paper, alright. So get your hands on a copy, you'll get the digital copy from jimmyhunt.com. Um, so the digital one's only like nine bucks and who was that? Someone was talking a podcast recently. I'm wondering Seth Godin about um, how books, the value of a book, it's like someone's life's work you're picking up for, you know, $10 with change or 20 if you get the hard copy, but it's such good value and it supports Jimmy and the work he's doing and the health of all of us. Um, so get the book as an act of support, give it as a gift. It's um, Jimmy talks about how we've all got mental health. Um, you know, it's a scale, it's not, it's like physical health. You're on the scale somewhere and you want to improve it and pick it up and happiness is a skill we got to, and this book is going to give you some skills. It's, um, yeah, I mean, what's that, the price of lunch? It's, uh, we're asking you for 20 bucks. Panini and a coffee, maybe, um, maybe some, uh, a singlet from AS Color on sale. They're quite good singlets, uh, but the book is worth much more than all of that. It'll um, help improve all aspects of your life, so maybe I'll give one away too. I'll give one away. Best comment, best comment um, or review of the podcast or shout out on Instagram, Facebook or on the, the site. Just tag me in it and we'll give you, we'll give you one of these copies, so do that show some love um, and just the last little note while I sip on my coffee on a Wednesday morning um, after doing some Wim Hof we've got a yeah, it was the first podcast I'd done in a while and so I was a little bit unsure with the volumes and you know the it was actually the conversation was getting picked up correctly by the mics I double checked it triple checked it but I was still a little bit unsure so I felt like it didn't quite and a part of my mind was occupied with that. I wasn't fully present or um, going quite as deep as I could have been with Jimmy, but he, he's got some wonderful insights and I think it's still a very cool talk. But, um, you know, things aren't perfect, but a bit like Jimmy, you get them out here, yeah, you get it done. You know, you make, um, you do the best you can. An imperfect plan executed today is better than the perfect plan tomorrow. The imperfect podcast today is hopefully better than the perfect one tomorrow. And like uh, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, there's an authenticity to the first recording, to the first attempt, which you can't get if you kind of manufacture it. So hopefully there's a little bit of authenticity in here and some wisdom from Jimmy. And and the song Rain is uh, one of his favorites as you're li listening to the podcast. So we're going to sign in, sign out with a bit of Led Zepp. And uh, without too much more Led Zepp, here is my man, the awesome man, the live more awesome man, Jimmy Hunt. To go. 
level for you. Looks pretty, it looks pretty cozy. Sorted. Look pretty cozy there. <laughs> I always make myself cozy. Um, okay, so we're here with. Let me get that set up so I don't have to change it too much. Um, well, welcome, Jimmy. Jimmy Hello. Hunt, thank you for um, taking the time out of your busy, awesome day to sit down and uh, have a chat about living more awesome, among other things. And um, for those who are haven't heard of you there might be a few hopefully there's not too many of them i'm sure there's a shitload of people yeah. <laughs> who haven't heard of me doug don't even worry about that um what would you how would you kind of sum yourself up um i am a man who likes to do random things that entertain me and inspire and help others and that takes many forms but uh, most people know me because i've uh, co-founded a charity called live more awesome which is a mental health charity um they might know me because i was dumb enough to lilo the entire waikato river um or because i built the world's biggest water slide or they may have read a couple of my books or seen me on tv something like that who cool. knows yeah, more I mean, than likely, I've never heard of me. <laughs> but they've probably heard of one of those. But the, I didn't realize, well, I was just researching you quickly. I didn't realize you already had a previous book out. Yes, sir. That's my second one in your hand. Second book. And um, was that a goal of yours, like growing up, to have your own book? It's a big, or like... I still don't consider myself an author. You, I have uh, two. I have a best-selling book and my new one, which has just come out two weeks ago. Yeah. I still don't consider myself an author. I consider myself a below-average writer. Below it. And you're doing it. <laughs> well, that's, so that's actually that's actually the thing. That's that's the key word. I, I did it, mm. um, and and that's for the many of the things that I have achieved. People ask, you know, how did you do it? I when I just uh, I just went and did it. It's it's not actually as hard as we build it up in our own brains to be. I like that attitude, man. Mad respect for two books, and the first one is. The first uh, one was called A Bit Mental, yep. um, and that was sort of, uh, it, it was published by Alan and Unwin, and it they classify it as a memoir. So uh, I did my memoir, um, which is basically the story of uh, my life growing up, the dumb shit I got up to, how I ended up suffering massively from depression, ruined my life, and I decided to go on a big adventure called Lilo the Waikato in order to try and fix it and then it chronicles uh, the 11 days that it took me to swim from Taupo to Port Waikato 425 kilometers down the entire Waikato River um, and so yeah that came out a couple of years back um, technically a New Zealand bestseller um, and something that I was you know and still am very very proud of. That's very cool man and um, was that a bit of an ordeal or it's a bit of an undertaking to write a book. Oh, yeah, I didn't was, want to do it. I, yeah. tu I turned the publisher down three times. Oh, so they approached you? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, no, no, I can't write a book. No one wants to read my book. Like, <laughs> no. Um, and then she said to me, um, you know, you just write it like you speak. Mm. And I was like, well, I can speak, and I can take the words that I speak, and I can write them down. So, like, sure. Because, you know, you're worried about writing correctly, you know, whereas I just wrote in my voice and tone. Um, and that's actually a, a trick to writing because people actually connect with you more. Um, and so I finally said yes. And she said, um, you need to write at least 60,000 words, 
60 to 65,000 words. That's how much a book should be. And I was like, whoa, like I've never written more than like, you know, 1500 word essay at school. Um, and so I just, I didn't think I could do that. And I sat down and I just bullet pointed stories. Like I could talk about this, I could talk about this, da, 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 da. And I counted them all up at the end and there was 65. Uh, 65,000. No, 65 uh, stories. stories, yeah. And I was like, well, I can write a thousand words on each of those stories. So yeah, maybe I can write 65,000 words. I guess that's that, that, you know, that uh, old adage, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Um, You know, how do you write a 65,000 word book? Well, a thousand words at a time. Because we can all write a thousand words. That um, that's nice. Reminds me of that I think it's a book called Bird by Bird. Okay. Which is on that that writing process. This right. Just write it bird by yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's apparently it's a very good book for um writing exactly on that kind of uh yeah well, train of thought. They told me don't read anything about writing, like mm-hmm. just just sit down and tell tell stories. And so I went oh okay cool I can do that. So I just sat down and just wrote it as it came out of my head. Very cool. And um, so you can still get that book? Yes, sir. You can still buy A Bit Mental on jimmyhunt.com. Very good. That'll, I might need to check that one out after I'm done with um, the second book, A Guide to Live More Awesome, Volume 1, which alludes to Volume 2. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I, I, I sort of just arbitrarily threw that on the end there and uh, with a simple premise is that I know nothing and so I will continue to learn and so just as I continue to learn, I will continue to share what I have learned um, and so I'm a young man, uh, I will learn more so there will more than likely be a volume two. I like that uh, attitude leaving... Yeah, I guess it, that can probably be a bit of a creative block to think you have to know it all now to get it out. Mm, absolutely. Um, so to just to make something happen, which you've done here, and it's a beautiful book. And Thank you. I designed it as well. So That's what I was going to allude to. Yeah, you right. You there. Be, yeah. He's done this kind of thing before. <laughs> that um, the design element of making depression, this kind of thing, more attractive visually, yeah. socially, um, which... Well, more fun in, in every respect, I think, is very cool. Kind of breaks down a few barriers. So it's, uh, yeah, I shared an image of it before and I put it in the show notes, but it's uh, beautifully put together, a little hand kind of sized number. Yeah. You'll probably get through it in a... Uh, about an hour and a half to two hours will take you to read it. It's it's a guide, uh, 112 mm. pages. Um, and basically, you, you're, you're right when you say that, like mental health, is something that we refuse to engage with in society pretty much. And in order to get people uh, to talk about it, you actually have to kind of uh, trick them, entice them, uh, you know, engage them in an in a, in a interesting and meaningful way. And so, you know, uh, good design is, is a good part of that. I mean, but if you take it back all the way to the basics, you know, I, I started a mental health charity and I, I, you could call it two things. You could call it Jimmy's Depression Charity. Or you could call it live more awesome. Mm. Now, which one would you rather engage with? We both talk, we, we talk about the same things. We only ever talk about mental health and how we can improve it. But you would much, much rather engage with a charity called Live More Awesome rather than Jimmy's Depression Charity. 
And so it's just about the way you frame the discussion to get people interested and actually taking control of their own life and looking after their own mental health. That's, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're focusing on the positive. Yeah, it's pretty just, much. Well, I mean, if you look out there, you look at most depression charities and they're uh, like the color of their charity is blue. Like, fuck off. Why would you make a depression charity blue? Like, you know, and you look at their music and their messaging and to be brutally honest, it's fucking depressing. And so, you know, people with depression don't want to engage with depressing things. They still need the correct information and everything, but you've got to package it in a way that, you know, they can actually, they want to engage with it and they want to consume it. Thank you. Especially men. Mm, men, so. men don't want to have their depression fixed, but they would like to live more awesome. Because I liked in the book how you put, you wouldn't meditate for a while till someone said it'll make you more creative. Or yeah, I needed my, I, I, <laughs> I needed my trigger, my personal trigger. Um, and I, I tried, I knew the benefits of meditating, like so often, like, you know, I, I ran a mental health charity and I, I knew and I still wouldn't do it. And because I, I didn't, I just didn't quite have it. And then when someone explained to me how, you know, ideas come during meditation and you can tap into this this energy and universe of, of creativity, I'm like, yes, please, I'll have some of that. Um, and so that was what flicked my switch and got me to actually start meditating, and now I get all the benefits of all of it, uh, as well as the creative part of it. But yeah, I was listening to a lady, she's got the Happiness Project. Oh, yeah. It was interesting, but she broke down people's motivations and how you had to create... Well, that dopamine was actually, um, it was exploring or seeking, and then you got this reward once you found something like a bit like the internet. Yep. So the dopamine would drive you to go on the internet, search till you find something good. But that, and then that kind of linked to how you had routine or um, creatures a habit. But um, but the habits will happen to have a reward, and it was trying to find that reward and make the new habit more rewarding than the old one. So figure out what reward you're getting by procrastinating or yep. by eating food or whatever it might be and um, and just create a new reward that's more enticing or Yeah. Well, pretty much delicious. You, you can't force anyone to do anything. Mm. They, they have to want to do it. And especially when you are in the middle of uh, a bout of poor mental health, uh, you really don't want to do it. Um, and so it's about figuring out ways to get them to start making small steps. Um, you know, uh, one of the common criticisms around depression and stuff, you know, people sort of go, oh, just just snap out of it. Just choose to, you know, be happier and, you know, think positive and stuff like that. And, and then people who are in that state are just like, fuck off, like go away. And it, it isn't helpful. Um, and, and But what what is uh, a truth of that is that um, you can't make one big decision, but you can make a thousand small decisions. And it's about starting, um, no matter what it is, whether you're mentally healthy or you want to write a book, it's about starting and continuing small steps to building habits to be able to have a healthier lifestyle. Mm. The 
dad had depression. I remember how many books he got dropped off and advice just to yeah. be happier. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that it's, it's kind of a reverse psychology. Yeah, we um, just get angrier at them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I took uh, accidentally hash brownie, a hash cookie uh, a little while back, but just how it distorted my frame of mind. I didn't know I'd had it. Right. But how dark a place I was in, and like to someone say, and yeah, I was, I was imagining what it'd be like to be like fully depressed or fully in yep. my head and just uh, really going down the rabbit hole, and that whatever someone would say would would not yep. be getting me out of there. No, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the hardest parts of, um, of of when you're in a state of poor mental health is. Um, having the inspiration to actually start making changes um, because like when you're there man it's horrible and and you just you just wallow in your own uh, horribleness and it actually feels good to feel that shit um, and one of the this it the hardest thing is to inspire those people to go all right cool I do want to get better and I do want to start making changes and that inspiration comes from the different places and that's what makes it really hard for us as a charity because that's one of our main goals is to inspire people to ask for help and take that first step and so like last year for example we made a uh, a documentary for the travel channel and um, I got an email from this woman in Colorado and she says hi my name's Kate I'm 55 years old I live in Colorado and I just finished watching your documentary on the world's biggest water slide in your charity um it inspired me so much that i went down to the local park and had a slide on the slide <laughs> and i'm like well that's really cool like 55 year old woman you know having a slide on the slide and i can picture that and everything and then the next line in the email says it's the first time i've left the house in 19 months and i just went shit i started crying like it's and this is the thing, it's like she lives in Colorado. There are many, many uh, professionals, organizations, everything in Colorado that could help her uh, with her mental health, but she did not engage with any of them. And it took a strange, weird Kiwi guy on a documentary on the Travel Channel that she didn't intend to watch, she skipped to it, that got her outside for the first time in 19 months. And so that's the, that's the holy grail about how do we find those triggers for everybody to figure out how can we inspire them to, first of all, realize that they have mental health, because most people don't even realize that they have mental health, and then second, prioritize it and put it first and start looking after it. And that is how you'd start living more awesome. You mentioned kind of the incentives. Um which I think is pretty cool that like what you can do to, in terms of your media, how many people you can reach yes, and like take a creative approach to it because everyone's just so different. I think this idea of one shoe fits all or like the, oh, yeah. here's the 10 step program for this. It's like everyone's motivated differently, 100%. Um, has a different routine. I actually just got that book out. It's um, called... Was it Habits of Creatives or something along that line? But it just shows that every great creative had a different process, woken up at a different time, and 
like uh, was it uh, Kerouac who had this crazy drug riding routine that started about 10 p.m. after right three yeah. martinis and a lunch long lunch and cigars and cocaine and but he worked till five in the morning and then slept and yeah. just and uh, out of that came something good so um yeah you, well it, i mean you're right i mean it, it, it's it's different for everyone especially mental health like there are so many things that go into making up your mental health uh basically all new studies show that uh mental health is predominantly environment based so it's it's who you are, where you grew up, how you grew up, the, the connections and family units you have and had, um, what you eat, um, what you drink, uh, how you uh, interact with society, um, what your stress levels are, you know, your sense of purpose. You know, all of these things are the major contributors to what make up your mental health. And so when you line 10 people up, they're going to tell you 10 completely different stories and although that you know there is no 10-step process that fits all of them that but there are uh, many common things that they should definitely be doing but um, they definitely all have different motivations and and need to be inspired and treated differently um, and so when you are in, when you are in, uh, when you are trying to inspire the world to look after that, yes, you're going to have you need many many different ways to do that, um, which is why we are uh, in the process of like many different campaigns for many different markets for many different things, um, and then when you you come up against um, a massive problem in mainstream media, mainstream media trades on fear, um, they don't trade on love. Um, because that's what sells and so when uh, you say hey well basically if the media gave a shit about the actual facts they would be reporting on mental health all day every day because here are here are a couple of statistics worldwide statistics that are horrifying uh, the first one is that uh, by the year 2025 80% of the people on this planet will suffer from a mental health condition in their lifetime. That's World Health Organization statistics, 80%. Another World Health Organization statistic is that by the year 2030, mental health-related death will be the leading cause of death in the world. More than heart disease, more than cancer, more than everything. And so what that does is it shows that everything that we are currently doing and everything we have done is wrong because it is getting exponentially worse. And uh, the media won't cover that because it doesn't sell. And so if you would like to get these messages across, you can't go down to a street corner, put your soapbox up and start raving on about statistics. And so, you know, I sat back and thought, you know, well, how can we get the media to, to let us talk about this? And so, you know, the first sort of big idea was to sit down and build the world's biggest water slide. Um, and so, I mean, off the back of that last year, we uh, generated about $18 million worth of media coverage. We um, had two documentaries about the water slide. We were had had nine minutes on the Today Show in America. Um, had 
front of Huffington Post, Daily Mail, blah, 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 blah. Like around the world, massive media coverage where my simple rule was if you wanted to cover the event, we had to talk 50% about what I'm doing and 50% about why I'm doing it. And so that media, I spent seven of the nine minutes on the Today Show talking about mental health. That's pretty cool. You know, um, and like you actually have to manipulate them to be able to get there um, because they do want to cover something like a water slide, but they don't want to cover something like mental health. Yeah, it's such a nice approach to think nothing's inherently bad. Like how can you use it for good and just give someone what they're actually looking for first, you know, look at it from their perspective. Yeah. That's such a nice approach. Um, and wow, that documentaries. I didn't realize you on the the US show as well. It's yeah, two cool. travel channel shows last year. And uh. Uh, I mean, there's a guy Seth Godin was listening to as well, and he he wouldn't try and change his behavior; he'd just try and inform himself more. Yep. And I think like a stat like that, that death and how many people it affects. Once you know, kind of. Yeah. Once you delve into, the more you know, you can't forget that stuff now. No. Um, like that's going to change the way I behave, just hearing that. Um, well, in it, terms of a cause bigger than yourself, to be like, flip, I don't care if I look like an idiot Yeah. to try this project, if it's going to help. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just... This problem. It's one of these things that you take it back not, to... The, not that I'm saying you're an idiot or no, that I am. I, I'm the one that says <laughs> I'm an idiot, but... Uh, the uh, like if you take if you take it back to like ancient Greeks, you know um, they come up with all their stuff and all that sort of carry on, and and so you you split the um, the human um, life into two components. You split it into physical health, which the ancient Greeks were absolutely massive on. Um, Socrates has some sort of quote about how you've basically wasted your life unless you've got it to peak physical perfection at one stage um and then um they they have mental health and so you split it up quite simply between physical and mental health and sometime between then and now we have glorified put on a pedestal and bowed down to physical health and we have shunned put in a closet and spat on mental health when they are both equal parts of us and both equally important. And, you know, the standard thing is like, you know, you guys go for a run or you do some yoga or you go to the gym and you take photos, post it up on your social media and like, uh, you know, gym selfies are a thing, you know, all that sort of carry on. And then how many people are going to the psychiatrist and, and going fucking psychiatrist selfie, hashtag mental gains. Um, you know, no one. Well, I think the ironic thing is they're posting that because they feel mentally good from the exercise too. It's like yeah, absolutely best physical. Um, I mean that's just it. And, and so you you can't you can we do, but you can't separate mental and physical health. Mm. They are inextricably linked. Um, but in saying that, um, you know, uh. Let's just say one of our largest gym chains in this country has a huge problem with trainers committing suicide. You know? And so just because you've got six-pack abs and are eating clean all day every day does not mean you are mentally healthy. 
Oh, I think it. I see it all, even in the yoga, or I guess that fitness world. So the people they're fighting the biggest internal battles. Those people that are out there the most are usually yeah. the ones that are on the edge. Absolutely. And their sense of identity is all held up around this. How they look. Image yep. and have you read that book? Four Commandments are the Four Agreements. No. It's really interesting. It talks about the dreams we create and then how they're affirmed as we grow up. We kind of create this set of rules and systems and we create this dream that is kind of self-fulfilling and to break those habits and that dream and that reality and that sense of who you are is such a big i'm going to butcher it but he's got four agreements that you mean to live by that your word um what are the two doing something really well and just how to find this inner peace but how to understand firstly like what you're conditioned to do what you've grown up you've been given a name you've been given the sense of identity in the world, you're a gym instructor, you meant to look this way, you yeah. meant to keep up with everyone else. Yeah. And it's driving you, that kind of pain thing, It's uh, you're attached to it and it's motivating you and there's some good and some bad out of it, but you're so in it. Um, yeah, well, that's I mean... an interesting one. That, that you, so that's one of the leading statistics is, well, gym suicide. Yeah. Like, they're just... Yeah, I mean, and so this is the thing is that... Um, you know, we've, I just discussed physical health, mental health, equal, right? So if you're doing six hours of physical training per week to get your body into a shape that you would like it to be, are you also doing six hours of mental health training each week to get your mind into a shape where it should be? Mm. The answer is usually no, whereas I'm the opposite. I'm doing, you know, 10 hours uh, mental training per week and like half an hour of physical training per week. <laughs> um, and so I actually have to balance it up the other way. What's your uh, physical training, by the way? Uh, walk to the Do, ferry. You like, to, you like walking? <laughs> yeah, I walk to the yeah. ferry. It's about half an hour from my house to the ferry. I walk down there. So yeah, I, I, do, I do that a, a couple of times. It's a nice way to work. get to work or get into town. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then for mental, because... A lot of people are thinking, what does mental training yeah. look like? And you mentioned meditation in the book, but have you got, um, for someone, like, there's so many different ways to meditate. It's probably overwhelming in many respects of where to start. Yep. But have you got a 101? I know you probably talked to it in, you talk to it in the book. Yep. By the book. By the book, yep. And it'll <laughs> guide you through. Yeah, I talk about my meditation, how I went through a lot of different ones. Um, but I mean, like for people who really haven't gotten into it yet, here's a really simple one, right? Um, 15 minutes, find 15 minutes of beautiful music. It has to be beautiful. And so for me, like beautiful is the Rain Song by Led Zeppelin, oh, Tangerine by Led Zeppelin, um, two songs that I just find just beautiful and so when i listen to them it lifts my spirits and lifts my heart and so uh, first thing you do when you get up you don't get out of bed you reach over and you grab your phone put your headphones in and you listen to 15 minutes of beautiful music beautiful and so you lie there eyes closed still in the dark in your bed and you breathe and your mind will start wandering, but bring it back to the music, and you, you might go, 
that's a beautiful lyric. I've never really heard that lyric before. Oh my God, like that, I can actually hear the the keyboard in the back of that. I can, what, that guitar solo, and just keep bringing it back to the actual parts of the music. And then after 15 minutes, get up and go about your day. And guess what? You just meditated for 15 minutes. Mm. And but- so that's a real entry level uh nice way to to start uh that yeah i think there's a a perception that it has to be really difficult yeah and you have to sit a certain way yeah with your legs crossed yep. and <laughs> not lie lie in <laughs> bed with the covers on yeah eyes closed listening to beautiful music start that way and um it's funny because so many people, even like Tim Ferriss talks about how profound his day is when he takes 20 minutes at the start of the day or 10 minutes yep. to not do anything. Yep. And then how to fix everything. If everything's that much better, like 10, 20% better yep. from that little... Yeah, well, I mean, if you actually break down a modern person's day, it's pretty fucking horrific. Um, <laughs> the <way. laughs> like the way that we just bomb... Like... like Think of our brain as a computer processor, right? And I'm making up this analogy as I go along. I was just thinking about how hot my computer gets because I'm constantly, you know, throwing more tabs at it and opening more things and all that sort of thing. And so from our day, as soon as we get up, we might turn on the radio or start talking to people or start reading, checking our emails, checking our texts, checking our notifications. Then we drive and we're consuming podcasts like yours in the car. And then we get to work and it's all day. And then you get home and you watch some TV and you talk to your wife and then you go to bed. And so um, my example in the book is that there is literally only sort of five to ten minutes in a modern person's day where they have no food, screens, people talking, music, distractions, and it's in the shower. Mm. And that's why there's a subreddit on Reddit called Shower Thoughts. And it's the funny and interesting things that people come up with in the shower. And that's simply because we don't give our brains time to think because we are forever overloading them with stimulus. Um, and so showers, are, um, they are distractionless, they are white noise, and they are a nice body temperature. And so we, it's basically a, a kind of meditation. Um, you want to have a super cool shower, have a lights off shower. Go into the oh, shower. that. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> go into the shower, close the windows, close the door, turn the light off. And just shower in the pitch black. And have the water and feel the sensation of the water hitting you. Oh, I might have to do that. When I've been doing this Wim Hof method, we might... Have you heard of that guy? Yeah. Um, he did an AMA on Reddit yesterday. Oh, yeah. I yeah. saw that. He's a strange man. Yeah, strange. Yeah, I like it, the stranger the snow. The, <laughs> the stranger the better, I find. If, yeah, so they're more authentic, you know, coming yeah, back yeah, to yeah. the book, right? And it's like, he's, and he's got some science to back it up. But I'm going to do a 10 minute cold shower this week, so maybe 10 minute in the, dark. the darkness. Yeah. And just observe the mind. And and I love his things that inner power, you know, it's getting out yep. of your, out of the frontal, that, that front mind, and into the primitive feeling 
yep. experiencing. Yeah, everything um, should be feel your way forward instead of think your way forward. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about, um, you know, we, we don't, well, in society, we call it like gut feelings or intuition, you know, that's feeling your way forward. But we have to take everything to our brain and rationalize it instead of what we feel to be the truth. Um, and so, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, I put a quote in there from fucking Jim Carrey. There's a Jim Carrey quote in my book. Um, and he says, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so that they realize that it is the answer to nothing. Because as humans in this society, all of our happiness is external. If we get a new car, a new job, a new girlfriend, a new achievement of whatever sort, then we will be happy. And only then. And the truth is, no matter how many things you achieve, you will never find that. And that became super apparent to me in, uh, at the end of 2013. Uh, 2013, I built the world's biggest water slide. I uh, wrote a best-selling book. I opened TEDx Auckland. I did a national ad campaign for seven weeks around the country. I was a finalist for New Zealand Innovator of the Year and a finalist for New Zealander of the Year. And I was sad as fuck. <laughs> I didn't I sell really, enough. I like that. <laughs> I didn't sell enough copies of the book. Mm. TED Talk didn't get enough views. I didn't win those things. Um, you know, just all of the things. No, nah, nothing. Nothing worked how I, it was supposed to. And so it was then that I realized I had a giant fucking problem, and I needed to fix it. Um, and so that was just it. Like I was. I was like, if only I'm more successful then I will find my happiness. Mm. And then I realized that no, happiness is not external, it's internal. Um, one of my favorite cartoons, which I've um, put in the book uh, without attribution, um, because I scoured the internet and I have no idea who actually drew it. I would love to know. Um, it's so beautiful. It's two cartoon characters. It's towards the back. Mm. Um, two cartoon characters, um, and uh, one is holding a jar, um, yeah, that's the one there. Um, I'll read it exactly so I don't mess it up too much. Uh, the one on the left says, uh, where did you find that? I've been searching for it everywhere. And the other guy who has the jar, it has happiness uh, written on the jar. And he simply says, I created it myself. And that is the absolute key point. No one can give it to you. You cannot buy it. You cannot find it. You cannot achieve it. You can only make it yourself inside. And so when you come to that realization, you're like, holy shit, how often do we as humans, probably more on your podcast than most that I end up on, but how many people are actually going inside, actually looking at themselves, actually looking at who they are and how, where they sit in the universe like the simple answer is as a percentage of society the official percentage is fuck all mm. yeah i feel like i'm tapping into more people who are but it's it's uh it's not a mainstream thing yet and you see it just you see it the outlets of it in different ways um yep but that's my question is is that i'm not I am now not. My book is absolutely for the individual, but my mission now is how do we tap in and change society to be 
looking like that because as well, i said with those with those um statistics we are on an exponential curve to being completely fucked and so how do we change that and slow that curve down and actually send it back the other way because what's the have you got a you've obviously got your mission but do you have a idea of what that would look like it looks like a million different things i yep. mean fucking you guys love yoga right how do we get yoga into schools because that would make a massive difference how do we get meditation into schools mm. how do we get people living in more and smaller communities that actually interact with each other how do we turn apartment buildings into instead of being single person lonely dwellings into communities that work how do we get fucking the sugar tax out here so that as a society we consume less sugar and that's the thing jamie oliver oh my god people think he's a dickhead i don't really like the guy <laughs> but home like that man just single-handedly got a sugar tax in england that is that is just so amazing as an achievement for a human like congratulations sir if we could do that here but sorry my point was that what he doesn't realize he thinks he's fighting obesity he's actually contributing to the mental health of the country there are so many like like eat my lunch you know fantastic new zealand charity where uh you buy your lunch they deliver it to you um and that pays for a lunch for a kid who can't feed it right they just think they're a fucking poverty charity they're not they're a mental health charity because these kids without that food will, will develop severe mental health problems over their schooling life and so mental health is this giant sphere of we seriously need to be looking at every aspect of the way we live our lives because over the last hundred years we've gone on this very quick path to uh you know i mean we call it holistic um and i don't like that word because the normal people out there have a very uh poor grasp of that but basically looking looking at all facets of our life and how can we you know change them from being the the cancer causing depression causing shitstorm that they are now back to being actually sustainable and livable and healthy for people that yeah that comes back to your environment thing is you just end up being a product of yep. what you eat the people you're around yep. how um so you said the people you're around, right? You, you've said that you've now found you know, more people that are on your vibe, right? And so the product of your environment is that you are becoming more enlightened, more holistic, more wise, more effective, more efficient because you are surrounding yourself with those people. And so how can we, how can we create more of those people and surround more of society with those people so that they do the same thing? Um, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point, um, I, I can't remember exact number, I was like, you know, 7% of a group to tip it. You know, like it's not, a lot. it's not a lot, and that's that's the one thing that actually keeps me motivated and happy. If I was seriously trying to change the entire world, then you're like, fuck, I just ain't happening. But like, can I change seven percent of the world with the help of a whole bunch of other amazing people doing amazing things? I think, it's yeah, just, I think I can. Yeah, cool looking dude with a good beard and nice pants, and you kind <laughs> of, um, yeah, there's that Gandhi quote if you don't think, uh, 
one person can do a lot. I th- something along those lines, try sleeping in a room with a mosquito. Yeah. As a sustainable coastline guy, um, Camden mentioned that. And I see it all, like reading Steve Jobs' book and Elon Musk about the power of one person mm. just with one vision and how if the vision's strong enough, everyone's attracted to it. Like yeah. moths to a light. It's... um. And so yeah, that's it. You, you might only need 20 of those people around the world. Yeah. And they're out there. They're, you know, they're already starting on their journey for this. And so, you know, if, if you are not that person, if you're listening and you are not that person, that's absolutely fine. Because what is actually most important, a friend of mine, um, uh, Derek Siever, uh, did a TED talk um, uh, on... Uh, basically the power of one like leadership um and it's the sasquatch music festival and the one guy is dancing on the side of the hill have you ever seen that one? Oh, by he, himself yeah by himself yeah. dancing like a crazy man right and so he's he's there and everyone's like lunatic that's what everyone's looking at him lunatic and then one other person gets up and dances with him that person validates that guy still still crazy but who is most important is the first followers and then, so that guy's validated that guy. So now four more people can come on and then four more and then 40 more. And then suddenly like that's your past tipping point. And so like the 40 people is more than the 7%. Everybody gets up and starts this big dancing circle. And you're like, holy shit, that was one lunatic. And so... If you see a lunatic out there, validate them. Dance with them. Oh, I'll dance with you, Jimmy. Fucking That's hell. <laughs> yeah, if you're on the side of the majority, what, what do they say? You've got to take a hard look at yourself. Yeah. Um, no, it's such a good point. I even remember at school, someone, there's like a super hot girl, a good friend who was a super styly guy, and they'd be to rock something that was just, whether it was a fashion item or yep. a word or... That was, I was like, is that cool? But because they were cool, they owned it. Yep. Suddenly I'm wanting to, and then yep. suddenly it's a trend. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Um, yeah, we go looking for this validation through celebrities, through magazines, through, yeah. And you just intuitively, I guess if you meditate, you know kind of what's right. You start to check. Yeah. That uh, that, like I said, it, it comes back to feeling. Um, mm. You know, feel your way forward. And, and like you, when you actually stop, look inside and really ask yourself questions. You know the answers to them, you know. You know that the Kardashians are full of shit and a waste of space, and basically, and uh, pulling the world down with them. Um, and you know that there are people out there. And you're like, oh my god, they're doing really cool things. I should like, I should validate them. I should help them. I should encourage them. Um, and you know, uh, basically, until you know, you talk about that's the power of choice. Like basically, you can choose with your money, with your time, with your eyeballs. You choose what is important in this world, um, and you just have to make that choice rather than let media or whoever make that choice for you. Yeah, there's self ownership there for sure. And what's um, so obviously what drives you is that that pain of. Because you wouldn't say, like you say, there's no mental health. You got an issue. Or you don't have an issue. It's a scale. So, yeah. So you're. Yeah. So I'm a big one of found yourself a routine and a way to know your own weaknesses, your own habits. 
Yeah. Now. Yeah. So I, as you just alluded to, I, I, I don't believe in the labeling of depression, for example. Um, like depression clinically, according to the DSM, is basically um, an extended period of sadness. Um, and so depression really is, it, it's an extended period of low mental health. But where, where do you do that? So let's say zero to 100 is your, um, is your mental health scale and you're sitting at 20. And 20, according to the doctors, 20 is depressed. And so you're like, okay, you're depressed. And then the following week, you're at 21%. So now you're not depressed again. And then the following week, you're at 19%. Or now you're depressed again. There's no on-off switch. Mm. It's fucking, yeah, I'm actually at a period of low mental health. And it doesn't matter where you're sitting. You should be looking to increase your mental health. And um, and that comes down to, yeah, what is what are you doing in your mental health uh, routine and your and your mental mental fitness regime um, to make sure that you're you're looking after yourself. Yeah, and I think of things like food, the serotonin coming from the gut, the sunshine, yep. the bare feet on the grass, all these simple things, and you yep. feel good doing them. Yep, and you completely forget about it. You're like, what do I feel crap today? We've been yep. ten hours in front of a computer. You never got outside. Yep. Talking to other people, like, oh. you know, actual real, like you and I now are having a real conversation. Um, I've got this uh, thing I put on my Instagram that I like to quote, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, so I actually need to, to look it up and quote it. But basically, I have completely given up on conversations that uh, are just vacant. Uh, and so... Uh, this is this is on my Instagram, uh, the Jimmy Hunt. If you want to follow me, um, so just at Jimmy Hunt, at the Jimmy Hunt, at the Jimmy Hunt. Um, so here's the quote: He's an entity, people. I hate small talk. I want to talk about atoms, death, aliens, sex, magic, intellect, the meaning of life, faraway galaxies, music that makes you feel, memories, the lies you've told, your flaws, what keeps you up at night, your fears and your loves. I like people with depth who speak with emotion from a twisted mind. I don't want to know what's up. <laughs> I love that. We've been doing these uh, Carver Cast podcasts. I haven't put them out yet because they had that issue with the mic. Right, but, right. And uh, just all out there from because no one talks about masturbation issues yep anything what's what's an etiquette in a bedroom i love this rewilding podcast because this guy daniel vitalis he's like straight to the point you know the bedrooms for sex or sleeping the he just kind of gets to the root of everything well everyone's thinking but no one wanted to say it yeah why can't we talk about all of this stuff. Yeah. Why do we have to talk about the rugby or Justin Bieber or the Kardashians or what's going on in the news at the moment? Why Why is that our default conversation? Why? Like the default conversation I hate the most is, so what do you do? <laughs> like ask yeah. me that question. It's fine because I actually live my passion. But unfortunately, most people out there do not live their passion. Well, you know, they don't want to talk about being a banker or an accountant or working at the factory or anything like that. It is an absolutely just void question. And a simple thing to change that around is, so bro, like, what are you passionate about? Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to reframe that question in terms of what would you sacrifice? Or if no one was watching, what would you do? 
you know, you'd eating your food, you'd yeah. you'd know issues with resources. What would you be doing right now? Yeah. Yeah, what, absolutely. what would that look like to you if you if depression was solved, if Jimmy was uh Yeah, if I could do anything in the if, entire world. If everything world. had worked out and you could do whatever you wanted, there was no are you asking me this question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd go on adventures. Adventures? Like, just, I would, I would, um, so I was just talking to a friend about maybe riding a motorbike from the bottom of India to the Himalayas. Oh, Like, nice. just, just random adventures. Like, I love talking to people like you. I love talking to just normal people and getting them out of normal conversations. I like meeting people. And so I would just go and adventure. Um, have you got a motorcycle passion background r- never been on one in my life ne- i like i like that I've, I've it's not that hard is it I can't <laughs> yeah I've ridden, I've ridden scooters but yeah. i've never ridden a motorcycle motorcycle yeah. i think there's a freedom to it which is kind of nice yeah fucking people that ride motorcycles love riding motorcycles what is the because you've obviously thought about everything probably but um death i love the moment tomorrow let's knowing you're gonna die like it's a it's a liberator for me. Oh yeah, I'm Do already you, dead. Yeah, you, you. Yeah. Yeah. I've already lived and died. <laughs> like, I just. Uh, now I've got a bigger. It's something bigger than that now for you. Oh, I mean, to me, I mean, I, I, I believe in reincarnation. Yeah. Um, and so. But no religious. I have no religious affiliations. Yeah. Um, I just believe in the universe, energy and uh yeah and and that and that energy doesn't die um and that it gets recycled um and so parts of that come of you come back um and so i just believe that my goal here on earth is to raise my vibration as high as i can contribute as much as i can uh before my time comes up and my time could be tomorrow or 40 years or whenever and it doesn't worry me mm. like if i died tomorrow i'm sweet i'm good you've done your yeah your best yeah awesome and um how does you've got a partner libby yep now and you guys are looking said going to america just this is this adventure uh, it is an adventure yeah. uh we have zero plans well i have i have a little plans I've, I've got some tv show pilots that i've that i'm shooting um over there but that won't take all that long and uh then the rest of the months that i'm over there uh my simple plan is to find interesting people so if anyone uh on here is from america and they they they'd like to say uh meet me uh i'm coming and i'm looking for adventures so uh so hit me so hit me up Um, where are you gonna be uh anywhere i'll go anywhere i don't care um, nice. I'm gonna go. I'm going to LA, Denver, and DC. Like they're my three things that I know I have to hit at yep. some time for a couple of specific reasons. Um, but apart from that, if someone's like, I'm in Louisiana, uh, but come and stay at my house and we'll, we'll go do these things. I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. Oh man, you, I might have to hook up my friend in San Fran. Yep. Go down that big. There's some uh, enlightened people around those ways. Yeah, there are. Um, Oh, exciting and then and then after anything beyond america is it uh you- yeah well uh I've, I've had i've had a lot of good news this week which isn't quite uh quite signed sealed and delivered just yet but um i've basically just sold the option to my book for a tv series um as well as 
um, I've got some other TV stuff in America that I'm that I'm running after. So uh, as vague as that is, um, those are the those are the two things, and that's sort of part of my mission. As I said, like uh, more one to many than one to one, mm. and um, the TV is gigantically full of shit programming, and I would like to add mental health programming uh, to that. Um, and but do it in a in a way that people would actually like to watch it. Yeah. Um, and so um, I I have some some very good partners who agree with me, and um, and so we've got some we've got some programs in the works. Yeah, I'd like to think of it almost like the Anthony Bourdain or the food the chef's <laughs> yeah. table of mental health. Yeah, um, but I mean it's so interesting. Like like I said, because food's gone bananas. Yeah, well. oh yeah, I know. But I mean, it, like everything transitions into mental health. Yeah. Like I said, like food. Like I could go talk to um, food people because. Food is mental health. I could talk to, I could talk to housing people. I can, I can talk to doctors and argue with them because I don't agree with most of them. Uh, I can, I can talk to um, spiritual groups. I can talk to all sorts of things. You know, like why, you know, why do you have less suicide in in particular religious groups compared to atheist groups? Mm. You know, thing, things like that. Um, doesn't mean you know their God is right or real, but it means that maybe they have more of a sense of purpose. And therefore, you know, uh, have better mental health. Yeah, you know, just there's a million things that we can sort of investigate in that regard. Who should have the blue zones? To no. know that people live the longest. Oh, cool. like Japan have, and yeah, um, but there's like little. There's a place the Amish people in California. There's a little society in there that's yep. the same, and but they've got some quite cool principles. Mission, or like a purpose, is a big one of them. Small Absolutely. Communities. Well, that sort of thing in the way in this modern world, like bankers have no sense of purpose because they just move imaginary money around. Um, you know, like have like what's that? Uh, the Big Short or Inside Job? The banking industry. Just, oh, it's horrendous. Like, what, someone yeah. invented it. and It's just existing and it's yeah. bananas. But I mean, you look at most of the consumer goods and the people that make them. Those consumer goods do not actually fill a need. For consumers, they only fill a want. Whereas if you go back fifty, a hundred years, like pretty much all of the um, all of the things that you did for jobs really contributed to your society, and so you felt a sense of purpose because of that. And now our jobs are not giving us our sense of purpose. So if that's not happening, where are we getting it from? And so that's why you're seeing increase in things like volunteering. Because people are looking mm. for it in an altruistic uh, perspective, which is fantastic. We should all volunteer more. Um, but you know how how can we get people to to have a sense of purpose uh, more than the two days a year that they volunteer? We ask. I read that Patagonia book, Let My People Surf, and his thing was I think it's a Japanese theory of asking why five times. Yeah. You know why do I work? Yeah. Why do we make this product? Who gets the product? What yep. is the product? What does it do? Yep. And you end up at this, it's a kind of a depressing realization sometimes, but it's yep. a good motivator. It's like, what am I actually contributing? I remember that, that was a bit of a tipping point for me in advertising because you've got an advertising creative background, but yeah. what are we actually selling here? Like, who cares about Bullshit. the ad award, the, yeah. how cool it looks, if it's energy drinks for 12-year-olds yep. or chocolate milk yep. subsidies for the rest uh, um yeah, and, and I kind of wonder how many people just kind of turn a blind eye to that or they don't want to think about it or they've had that question thought, oh, it's... Yeah. 
That's an interesting. Uh, or they've, they've, they've got so much to lose. You know, I feel like I'm lucky. I'm young. I don't have a lot. I've got, you know, if you had the house, the family, the dream, the society, this thing you'd created, how much more pressure that the, uh, was it the Jesus quote of um, the rich man's heart of, to get to heaven, then threading a camel through the eye of the needle. The, yeah. I kind of wonder how much of uh, of it's that as well. But yeah, well, I mean that comes that comes down to the the old paradigm of needs and wants. You know, what do we actually need? Fuck all. Mm. Like really, we 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 need food, shelter, warmth, uh, sense of purpose, uh, and community. How do you find yeah. having a partner as a, because that's one I've battled with for a little while, is having a sense of happiness tied to someone else. That, oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And, you cannot and, have that in any way, shape, or form. And it's something that um, that we've gone through recently. Um, and, like, you've got to understand that, and there's there's a quote in the back of my book, which is my favorite quote of all time. It is, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. (laughs) That's good. Practically everything is unimportant. Your relationship is unimportant. Your job is unimportant. Pretty much everything is unimportant. Um, And so when you can, when you lose that attachment an expectation for all of these things, you have this, like, you just find an inner peace mm. because you realize, fuck, it's not actually a big deal at all. And, I, I mean, like, my classic example for that, you know, relationships, like, we've got, we've got teenagers killing themselves over breakups. You know, we've got, um, we've got breakups, you know, just in mm. general, you know, tearing people apart inside. And... So I had a massive breakup. Um, uh, my wife, she's my second wife. Uh, my first wife cheated on me, got pregnant to the guy, all sorts of craziness. And that ripped me apart. Um, and I mean, I contributed to that breakup as much as any, but um, like that was, uh, that was just this horrible time. And I wasn't in a good place at that time anyway. And I w- I, I've had... Yeah, I had suicidal thoughts throughout my depression and stuff like that. And, you know, that was a time like, why the fuck am I still here? Like, what the fuck? Like, you know. And so, um, and this is where perspective comes into it. And so you look back at that and you're like, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. End of story. And then you actually hold on. It is the best thing that ever happened to me with perspective. Her doing that to me sent me on a trajectory to go on a big adventure, to start a charity, to build a water slide, to six months later find a woman who I'm like, holy shit, what was I doing with the last one? You're the one I need to be married to. And then everything after that. And so, like, instead of being angry at my ex-wife, I am eternally grateful to her. I am so happy that that happened. And, like, even to the, um, 
uh, like severity of the breakup, I am extremely happy because, for example, if she hadn't ended up getting pregnant to him, I still probably would have fought for her and wanted her back. But I needed a really, really big slap over the head to walk away from that relationship. And so something that I thought was just the most important thing, I'd stood up, I'd said, I'm going to marry you, I'm going to be with you forever, that is the most important thing to me. Fuck, it's not important. But that whole marriage thing gets me too. It's like you're, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but you're meant to say... Yeah, forever. I guarantee this. Yeah. Uh, it's like the pressure's all on you. It's all engineered. Yeah. So do you know what me and my current wife do? So we, we have not pledged to, get, to be together forever. Um, what we do is that each morning we wake up, we look at each other and we say individually, um, my soul chooses to be with you today. I like that. And she'll say, my soul also chooses to be with you today. And some days we won't say it to each other because like, fuck you, I don't like you today. And, and then like by the end of the day, like you'll, you'll go, oh, no, my soul does actually choose to be with you today. But it's a, it's a, uh, it's a conscious decision. And this, is, this goes back, circles all the way back around to what I was talking about at the start with you don't make one big decision and then it's done forever. You have to make thousands of little decisions. And that's the same with love and marriage. You don't just like, yep, I'm going to be with you forever. Therefore, I'm going to be with you forever. I choose to be with you today. And today. And today. And today. And today. And the other thing is both of us know that we are actually not going to be together forever. In all likelihood. Mm-hmm. And, that, and the reason is not because we won't love each other anymore but it's because our souls are on two journeys and you cannot guarantee that those journeys are going to run parallel for the next 50 years they might take her or me off in different directions for different amounts of time and basically you would be a selfish prick if you held on to her tight and didn't let her follow her soul's journey and so sometimes it's just time. It's that's uh, so cool because relationships is a big one. I think it's not really talked about, and um, and taking that pressure off, like loving without expectation, without trying to foresee the future. I think that's a very cool way, cool way to be. Yeah. Um, Oh, should probably wrap it up. There's a there's a billboard question which uh, from Tim Ferriss podcast, which I thought you'd probably be quite a good um, have maybe an interesting answer for, which is like if you could have one billboard anywhere, because creative guy as well. Yeah. Uh, anywhere that said anything, <sighs> what would you uh, kind of throw out there? I mean, first of all, that requires. Uh, an entire campaign for me to think about. Uh, but to give you an answer, like the first thing that has popped into my head is um, just a big black billboard with white Gotham font, bold, that just says, why? That's funny. Vincent 
has helped this Vincent Belair, you know, the yoga teacher, is no. pretty enlightened dude. His whole thing's just why. Like yeah. Everything's just a question of why. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. Or, um, or. Uh, where would you put it? Like Times Square, like yeah. somewhere where it gets eyeballs, wherever. But, um, or, or another one, you know, um, would be um, a Taoist saying, which is, it just is. I like it is. It just is. Like everyone's, uh, it's almost the, the polar opposite to why, to why is it just is. And I think, yeah, actually, I think I'd go with it just is because people are forever using that front brain to try and intellectualize everything and sometimes most of the time pretty much all of the time the answer is it just is it's that being rather than doing yeah um cool any favorite books because you've besides your own too obviously is yeah you've read that's been i'm more an article i'm related. more an article guy than a yeah. than, than a book guy i've just got blinkist have you seen that no. Um, it's an it's exactly for someone like me, which is an app. Cost me like fifty bucks for the year or something like that. But basically, they summarise non-fiction books down into things that you can read in under fifteen minutes. Ooh. Because this is the thing that I find with books, and why my book is the opposite, is that they fucking waffle on. <laughs> They just like, and this is the problem. Half the problem is publishers say you have to write 65,000 words and you've really only got 25,000 words to say. So you fill it with another 40,000 bullshit ones, which I don't want to read. Um, and so this is a, this is an app that, you know, people read these books and, and summarize them. Um, and, uh, I'll flip, and, and then you can like, you can save bits of that to Evernote and stuff like that. So, uh, cause like, you are never going to read a book and consume everything inside that book. It's about lessons and taking lessons and then applying them to your own life. And so uh, an app like Blinkist allows me to take a lesson and apply a lesson without having to trudge through 65,000 words. Cool. Any other apps or like, like you're going traveling shortly? Is there something you have to travel with? Nah, I'm a pretty pretty light, pretty simple dude. Cool. Um, and uh, favorite veggie or fruit? Um, I was at the um, TEDx Auckland X speakers thing last night, and I think I ate about eight carrots. Or we like carrots with hummus, Raw. or just no, nah, just straight. straight. There was hummus right there. I don't mind. I, I, I like hummus, but like I was actually just taking handfuls with me, and then. Eating whilst talking to other people, they're such a good, um, I'm sure they're healthy uh, enough, but, uh, you know, they're just so good raw uh, and and just handfuls of them. Oh, Mr. Carrots, I like that. I like, um, a, I like a carrot or a good apple. And uh, I saw you had float tanks in the book mentioned too, and I was hoping to either take you to the tramp park or the float tank place have you got any thoughts on uh yeah float uh, tank? yeah absolutely uh float tanks are brilliant um they are a, a a very good and efficient way of getting a good deep meditation um what sucks about them is that they're inaccessible and expensive um and so my uh my form of meditation that i talk about in the book 
is sensory deprivation meditation for broke bastards. Cool. And so that's how I meditate. I do a sensory deprivation meditation every day, but I do it at home. And do you have a mantra or anything? I guess people can read more about the details in the book. Yeah, no, I don't have a particular mantra. Um, I, uh, I meditate on unconditional love. And so I meditate on the feeling of that. Cool. Yeah, the, and for people who are, because you have all the information, water and um, stress chemistry and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, in the basic as well. shit, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, but it's worth reading again. You forget about it. Oh, if, constantly. It, constant reminders are good. Um, that might be a... Uh, sick of me now? We can go? Not, not sick. <laughs> Is there anything uh, you want to add? Like if there's one thing someone can change and because you're talking about that first step thing, I love yeah. your work just because you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's my whole philosophy was like, think less, do more. This is the podcast. It's people doing things. Yeah. Um, uh, it's the anthill philosophy. So, um, you know, like yeah, how do ants build this giant hill one grain at a time? And so how do we make anything one grain at a time and we what our problem is is that what we do is we make arbitrary bullshit deadlines for ourselves like we have to do 50 grains today like (laughs) no you don't like as long as you're doing one one grain it's progress and so I i don't care if it's like i i hate exercise I just hate it. I just don't want to do it. Um, I'm lucky that I'm not hugely fat anyway, but uh, I just I just don't enjoy it. Um, and so a friend of mine, um, he's a he's a an interesting man and a trainer. And um, he said, I said, look, fucking just ten minutes. I will do ten minutes a day. And even ten minutes is a struggle for me so far. I said, look, just give me something to do for ten minutes that gets me yo started and so he goes okay and then we met two days ago for lunch and he's like here it is and he gave me three juggling balls i'm like what he's like juggle for 10 minutes every day i'm like okay sure so now i've done my third day of juggling today first of all like actually juggling for 10 minutes (laughs) is actually reasonably physical Second is that it's completely mental. You've got to concentrate really hard. It's a form of meditation. It's been proven to increase hand-eye, increase gray matter in your brain like meditation does. Um, And the other thing is, he said, is like you're always a student of juggling. You never, you, you know, he said, as soon as you get like competent at being able to do this the whole time, then I'll just give you some tricks to do. I'll give you another ball. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, and so, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm in the basement of my house going, hey, oh, all over this, I have to bend down and pick it up because I drop it all the time. And so it's like, oh, okay, cool. And so it's 10 minutes a day I can do, and I feel like I've achieved it, whereas quite often it's like, right, I've got to run for an hour every day. You know, once and you're like, fuck that, I'm never doing that again. That's, I think One grade at a time. That's where exercise has got to go, it's... It should be a byproduct of having fun or learning a skill. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. 
I like that. And that reminds me, Andy Puticom, the guy who invented the Headspace, the meditation yep. app. His TED Talker juggles for 10 minutes too, I think. Oh, does he? Yeah. <laughs> you might have to do that for your next one. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And lastly, um, thanks for your work, Jimmy. It's inspiring from a guy just out there making it happen. Um, like the lives you're affecting, I think we don't acknowledge people's work enough and just say, you know, from my heart, from my soul, from yeah, thank you know, you. plenty of people around the world appreciate your work. And um, yeah, I, I guess mean, the best thing people can do is to f- follow you, to share it, to buy the book, to take action. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, charity pays me no money. So if you buy my book, it helps pay my rent. Thank you very much. Go to jimmyhunt.com. Um, but that's that's sort of it, is that like my uh, I, I, I sort of found myself getting a bit disheartened and giving away all of my time, energy, and expertise and having no monetary reward coming back in. And then my wife got me to make a ledger of um, uh, like basically uh, gratitude. And so when I get an email from someone who says that they didn't commit suicide or I saved them and changed their life, what is that worth monetarily? The US government uh, values a life at $6 million in compensation. So if I save that person's life, I have to put $6 million in my ledger. And so I'm extending your podcast again, sorry, but this very important point in that our society we measure success on two major metrics wealth and power which are just wrong we need to be measuring it on health and happiness I am healthy and I am happy and my ledger is full of billions of dollars of uh of beautiful beautiful love and so uh makes me a happy happy man i'm feeling rich man (laughs) (laughs) oh nice way to end it cool oh wasn't that a treat um that success is a measure of health and happiness is that it's just so true it's oh he's a bit of a guru old jimmy and he wears some uh, cool pants and funky sweatshirts and he's got a a nice looking beard too and he's got i talked to him briefly afterwards and he's um got some amazing projects in the pipeline he's just given away all his furniture and possessions just for free to people and him and his partner Libby, they're going over to America to film some pilot TV shows. And, you know, the stuff about the news, how uh, even Pierre Diamandis um, was talking about the other day, just the news is just it's brainwashing. It's just negative story after negative story. We need some good positive stories and some insights into mental health and helping people not just kind of focusing on the bad so jimmy's doing amazing stuff with that write a comment in the show notes um or in the comment section on the dugget.nz or itunes or on instagram and we'll give a book away um it's a wonderful book plenty of tips because we didn't really cover off the the kind of uh 
I guess that's what the book's for and what his other talks are for. But in the book, particularly, there's um, you know all the techniques and um, the methods because you know the happiness is a skill. It's a byproduct of these little things you do, like the meditation, the gratitude practice, the drinking, the water, and the science behind it. Getting rid of that stress chemistry out of the body. We're having that good stress chemistry when you need it. You know, the science of sleep, there's so many factors that come into it. Um, and so we end up being a product of all of that. Uh, you can't just kind of be happy, you have to put those uh, tools in place. Um, and uh, I just want to leave you with uh, another quote, which uh, this one's from Socrates and it says, No man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable of or capable. Um, that was from Socrates, but I think the same applies to your mental health. We shouldn't, uh, we should have the chance to just kind of be truly happy and to experience that and to keep that. It's um, With physical health, we often have this uh, perception that these ultra athletes, these yogis, these gymnasts, they're kind of freaks in nature, but these are skills and abilities we all have as a kid that we lose over time um, and that should be the norm not the exception I think it's the same with the mental health people question why people are so happy uh, it should be the the flip side of that it should be the the odd one out if you're unhappy um, so something to aspire to there's plenty of uh, room for uh, for improvement, which is nice. Um, and uh, yeah, all the no links in the show notes, plenty more good podcasts to come. Follow Jimmy's progress on his website, I guess, and his Instagram and Facebook. We'll put all that in there. And um, I think that's about it. I'm trying to think whether there's anything else. Yeah, the Carver cast will be coming up. Hopefully the Miguel podcast to try and get that one out in handstands. Very cool. And, um, but for now, I think that's enough. Live more awesome. Have an awesome week. And, uh, hope you dug it. Again, all the feedback, the comments is the best, uh, thank you. So if you feel like writing something, even to something little, you also get the chance to win the book this week. So, and dug it. Uh, the promo code for Organic Mechanic is always powered by the kombucha. Uh, from the OM guys, so if you're on Organic Mechanic, use the promo code DUGGET. You can order yourself for 10 bottles and get the 20% off, which is uh, a treat, a tasty treat. It's good for the gut bacteria. That's actually where most of the happiness comes from, your gut. 90% or more of serotonin produced in the gut controls the mind. Again, kind of a product of the food we eat, that energy. And um, yeah, but that's enough from me. Au revoir, have a wonderful week and uh, we'll uh, see you soon and thanks for listening, thanks for tuning in, much appreciated. Think less, experience more, live more awesome. Awesome Led Zepp song to go out on, this uh, Jimmy said he had two favourite ones he liked to meditate to. Uh, the first one was the rain song or yeah, just the rain song, and this one's called uh, Tangerine. It's a little bit fruity.